Assalamualaikum and welcome to another episode of the Halal Travel Podcast. You're listening to me, Hazra Rauda and Nurul. Hello, everybody. Hello. Nice yes. to meet you. It's been a while, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's been about three months now. We hope you have been safe and well. Uh, we last wrapped up in about December mm-hmm. 2021. Okay. And now we are in April 2022. So how has your 2022 been? Ooh, 2022 has been a year I would call sleep. Mm. I have always been a night owl, and I think this year I want to make a uh, I want to change and be more of a morning person right mm. now. Yeah, and I think I can do it lah. Even though I've failed mul- multiple times, but I think this year will be the year. Inshallah, can ah. Inshallah, five a.m. club eh? Maybe four a.m. No, very impressive. Okay, how are you? Uh, I don't know. 2022, I don't have big plans. Mm. Um, no, no real. Plans, but I'm just hoping that it will go by um, slowly, slower than past years because I feel like already we're in April um, and it's, you know, it's going to be like end of 2022. Um, I'm, just, I'm just going through the motions. <laughs> going the flow. Yeah. Okay. So for my 2022 is I think this year macam a bit, I have a lot more control. Macam last year macam gila. It's like I have school and I have work and like oh, I want to die. But now I feel alive. <laughs> so extra okay anyway so today uh, we are going to talk to someone inspiring mm. again okay like our past episodes but this time um, she creates such an impact to the lives of so many people mm-hmm. every day okay she is someone who guides or rather assists with individuals who wants to reintegrate back into the society and I feel like today we will have so much to learn from her Yeah, like amazing. especially what to say and like how do I support them, etc. So today we have Shafika Sudarmo from Yellow Ribbon Singapore. Hello, Shafika. Hello. 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 Welcome. Hello. Siapa nak? Gitu ya. Hello, Shafika. How are you? Good. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. No worries. Thank you for coming today. Okay. So Shafika is a career coach at Yellow Ribbon Singapore, mm-hmm. helping ex-offenders. Uh, with their reintegration journey, okay. At the same time, she's also pursuing a graduate diploma in social work at Singapore University of Social Sciences. You know hey. what school there? You, you guys are schoolmates. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> schoolmate. <laughs> okay. Uh, prior to joining Yellow Ribbon Singapore, she also worked as a caseworker at Sana. Also known as Singapore Anti Narcotics Association. Mm-hmm. Um. So, how long have you been in this line for now? Um. Okay. So I worked in Yellow Ribbon for around one and a half years. I think in Sana for around three years, two and a half to three years last. So probably around four, four and a half years. So mm-hmm. you yeah. must really like it, ah. Uh. <laughs> I do enjoy it. I mean, it's very rewarding. So I do enjoy it, lah. Nice, nice. So maybe you can explain to us a bit more, macam what is the role of a career coach in YRSG? Mm, okay, so um, a career coach in Yellow Ribbon, basically we provide, like what you mentioned earlier, we provide career retention support for ex-offenders who have already secured a job through us prior to their um, release. Yeah, so we will work with them very closely uh, with them and as well as employers uh, for about 6 to 12 months uh, in terms, of, we call it case management lah. Yeah, so we will monitor their performance um, to make sure that they are able to transit back to the environment, the workplace as seamlessly as possible because most of them, they've been inside for quite some time. Mm. So they don't really um, 
know how the work environment has changed or maybe they have not uh, hold a full-time job uh, for a very long period of time as well. So mm -hmm. that's our role there to just make sure that the transition is um, as seamlessly as possible. I actually, prior to this, we actually had a call mm -hmm. you know, to just get to know Shafika more. And I must say to you guys, just... Um, Get ready for all the interesting stories to come. Ooh, okay, yeah. okay. Shaviga, the pressure's on you. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, now let's take it back um, a few years ago. Let's say, when did you get to know about Yellow Ribbon Singapore? Mm, okay, so I mean, if let's say my first knowledge of Yellow Ribbon Singapore, I would say is actually from one of my close friends who had a family member that was incarcerated. Mm. So from that experience, I mean, she was a really close friend of mine. So I really saw how um, that whole situation impacted the family and also impacted herself as well. But also through that process, I was made known about the resources and the assistance that was available in the community. For example, Yellow Ribbon for, for uh, job support. It has also other community partners for, for example, um, financial support or even family uh, counselling support. Mm -hmm. So from there, I kind of knew about this um, services that was available and it kind of like intrigued me to to be part of it lah. because for me I feel like it's very important that I am in a workplace that uh kind of inspires me every day lah, when I go to work a more meaningful workplace yeah mm, I definitely understand I think you know being part of Yellow Ribbon Singapore I think I've heard of them ever since I was in secondary school yeah so it's been quite a long time and in Polytechnic, we actually had a chance to macam, interview one of the um, ex-offender. And oh my god, the story is very, very much life-changing. And, uh, you know, it takes multiple times to turn over newly for them. Mm -hmm. And I think I don't, I don't think I can ever like, imagine that. Um, but yeah, I think kudos to Yellow Ribbon. But we have this um, organization that actually supports ex-offenders because they come with their own set of... Um, challenges you know yeah. when reintegrating back i think also like not just helping the inmates i think yellow ribbon also helps uh, i think spread awareness mm. of like how it's important to support ex-offenders in the integration back in society uh i think that's i think yeah the education the awareness part i think really plays a big role in how they're being perceived uh, as yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. so you've been in this line for four years can so maybe just give us a teaser, much of like one memorable instance and you maybe like in the earlier part of your career that actually changed your perspective on certain things, maybe? Um, okay, so I think when I first started out um, initially in, in Sana, for example, uh, I remember because I had this opportunity to kind of explore the reasons uh, and the aftercare issues of like why they involve in you know drug taking behavior, for example. Yeah, and I think for for me, there's this one particular female client that I had who was involved in this drug taking behavior because of her partner. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, it's not really because she she wanted it or she looked out for it, but it was really more because of her partner. Like, and her partner was really involved in a lot of negative activities, mm -hmm. Yeah, so when even though she knew that the 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 behavior was wrong, she knew that this is not what she, the lifestyle that she wanted. But she continued to remain in that relationship despite it being extremely unhealthy, because um she mentioned that she was financially dependent on this guy lah. 
Mm. Yeah, so even though like she has that awareness, right, she was not able to leave that uh that relationship because of it. So when um she, during the program, she was uh attached to an employment, and that was the first time she ever worked full time in her entire life. So she, I remember she worked in a retail uh retail store lah, and she really really enjoyed it, and she did so well. Edit that she was even like promoted. So I remember whenever I speak to her, she she always come back to me like very excitedly. She said that, oh, you know, today I got my pay and I can finally like blanche my family. And she have never blanche her family in her entire life based on her own like money or uh based on her own like effort lah. Basically, yeah. Or she go like, oh, you know, I can finally buy like toys or school supplies for my kids for the first time mm. and it really really like empowers her to actually be financially independent and it made her realize that she's actually capable to be financially independent and throughout the end of the program right she actually managed to leave that relationship and actually like applied for like her own rental housing where she can actually stay for children um together And it was actually really something very. It struck to me lah because I remember she calling me. She be like, "Oh, you know, I finally get my first time. I got like three months worth of payslip for me to actually even apply for a rental flat because she have never gotten a single payslip in her entire life before." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she was really really proud of it, and it really was very heartwarming experience lah to go through that journey with her to find out that she is actually capable and it, and how you know employment actually like empowers her. Um, throughout the journey lah, mm, and I think that's also like part of your job, kan? Macam to assist them, macam in in their employment, uh, journey, especially when they are fresh, um, out of the, you know, fresh reintegrating back into the society. Mm. Yeah. So, um, maybe you could share with us um a bit more on macam what is the process like for an inmate to reintegrate back into the society, to just like. Be a bit more clear so that we can have a bit more information, <laughs> like how they prepare. Is yeah, it? I think it's like not. It's not often talked about. I think mm. yeah. Yeah. Okay. So actually, the re the reintegration journey um actually even starts the moment they are um upon admission to prison lah. The moment they are incarcerated, so the moment they're inside, they will be undergoing like a few assessment to determine their risks and needs, and based on that. Uh, like appropriate programs will be charted for their interventions. Lah. So there's a lot of programs inside prison. There's um correctional programs, family programs. Um, Yellow Ribbon also provided like skills training, upgrading programs, religious services and everything. So like prior to their release, the offenders are usually have to go through like these multiple um reintegration programs so that they are more prepared to to um when they go back into the society. Lah. Yeah, so during the tail end of the the sentence, right? So that's when um our services come in. Mm-hmm. Like Yellow Ribbon will provide job coaching and job placement, so that we place them to jobs, so that when they release, they are secured with a job. Um, we also there they will also be placed with like um more community based counseling. They also have uh, sometimes officers that will follow up with them as well. Uh, after they were released. Yeah, so after they release, and that's when I come in. I will coach them in terms of their employment processes. Some of them receive um counselors that will coach them for aftercare services, and they also have officers that will help them um for other issues that they are facing. Ah, uh, basically, yeah. So the whole reintegration process actually begins the moment they enter um prison itself. Lah. Uh. Mm, 
I see, I see. May I just ask as well, um, what kind of jobs do uh, ex-offenders usually get placed into? Uh, there are multiple jobs available. I mean, starting from warehouse to food establishment um, to even uh, administrative duties. I think there are a lot more employers that are coming on board currently. So we do have a variety of sectors that are um, willing to be on board with this program. Lah. Yeah. Mm, I see. So um, maybe how, um, you know, I think being um, reintegrating, reintegrating back into society, I think it comes with its own set of challenges. Maybe if you could recall some of much, um, the struggles that they go through, you know, bouncing back from where they were, Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> she hasn't blinked for a really long time. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Oh. I think uh yeah, I missed I missed that part. So maybe uh some of the things that I've been really interested about is what are the struggles, you know, having to bounce back from where they were and like, you know, obviously they come with their own set of challenges. Uh how do they cope with things like that? Mm, yeah, so usually clients come up, whenever they come out, they are faced with multiple stressful situations. Uh, usually it comes from, for example, family's expectations, uh, society's expectations, financial difficulties. That's usually the number one issue, financial difficulties. They usually come out and they don't really have enough savings to support them before like their first pay. And then also um, going back to their community, going back to their negative influences, you know, the environment, all of these are like stresses that clients face. Um, yeah, so for financial difficulties, we have, uh, again, community um, partners that are able to assist them. For example, like the social service office, usually we can link them up to social service office to get short-term assistance for them. Yeah, for families' expectations, I think this is when um, our role come in, like counsellors, um, career coaches, and, you know, other officers that are involved. Usually, we will try to talk to them and, you know, understand that what are they able to do. Like, usually, we try to break down and equip them with, like, problem-solving skills. Like, because they're usually very overwhelmed by a lot of things that are happening in their life. Like, for example... um. Uh, a single mom that goes back and then the, the family will have these expectations where, oh, now that you're back, it's your turn to take back the caretaking duties. Mm. Um, but then when they just release, they have so many things that they have to settle. Like, you know, they have outstanding bills payment that they have to settle. They have to make sure that their employment um, uh, are in, in line with what they like, you know, adjusting to the employment, adjusting to the, to the outside world. So, yeah, so sometimes we need to get the understanding of the family members also to know that, you know, it's not easy for them as well. It's also like a challenge for them. Yeah, so in this case, like we really need to rope in everyone that's involved, the family members, them themselves, and managing like each other's expectations. What is it that they can do? What is it that they can help get assistance from? And like, you know, by setting goals, like smaller goals with them, like how can they achieve it? Mm. In times like this, do you do you talk to the family members? Like, do you is there a much um, a sharing? Uh, I mean, if there is a need to, sometimes you do. But for my role in particular, I do not talk to family members, lah. But there are other partners like the counselors or uh, their officers who are more in contact with the family members. But because we are 
partners and we work together to help the same client, right? Mm -hmm. So usually we will share the information. Lah. If let's say I know of this information, we will share it with our partners saying that, okay, you know, this is what is happening. Maybe you might want to check in with the family and maybe we can have a discussion together in how to overcome these challenges. Lah. Mm, I see. So it's it's quite a process, can mm, mm, Correct, yeah. <laughs> I'm just like really curious because um, you're a career coach, right? But mm. does it um, also fall under the category of social work? Or is that like a separate thing? Uh, I guess it is part of like social services to mm. our clients. Yeah, but if for my job in particular, um, I guess we don't really need social sciences background. I guess you just need like a heart for it um, because I think for us, we, we focus mainly on career, mm -hmm. the employment part. Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you tend to get attached to the um, ex-offenders that you are working with? I feel like to a certain level, you know, when you're trying to help them get back out there and like, you kind of understand their stories and you learn about their backgrounds and their families, you, get, you do tend to get attached quite a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's normal. Uh, it's something which we have to tell ourselves that we're also humans and, you know, their stories are very compelling and also inspiring as well. Mm. Uh, yeah, but then I guess there's also some boundaries that we have to adhere to lah in terms of as professionals. Sure, yeah. yeah. Mm. Ultimately, you want to see them do well, right? Correct, mm. <laughs> correct. <laughs> Mm. It kind of reminds me of uh, teachers as well, right? Like you are that uh, you are you have seen them grow mm. from a small kid to an a, a, to a young adult, and after that they are what they flap their wings and they fly. Someone sim somewhat similar, you have to say goodbye at the end of the day, mm. and I think what you're doing is really impressive as well. And I think it teaches you a lot of um life and uh patience, especially right, yeah. Correct, yeah. I mean, I believe that um, at the end of the day, it's, it's kind of like both ways. It goes both ways. Like, I learn from them as well a lot. Uh, yeah, and some, and like you mentioned, like, when they kind of, like, fly away, I mean, when we completed, like, our case management with them, usually, like, they will do give, they will still contact us, like, to give us updates on, like, how, what's happening in their life, if it's significant. And when whenever, like, my clients come back to me and be like, oh, ma'am, you know, I finally, like, get this done or like I'm really here or I finally got promoted accounting it's really I mean these are the reason why I continue to be in this line mm. Mm. Wow, <laughs> I don't know why but I feel like small steps matter the most I think because I think like I, for us I think we always oh I want to get a house I want to get a car but I think for them like small steps uh, really makes a difference you know it really shows that they're really their resilience their um, which, um, the willingness to change. I mean, yeah, I think it's very commendable. But anyways, fun fact, guys. So recently, I was when I was listening to Nurul's answers. I remember the time when uh, I was teaching as a relief teacher at a school, mm -hmm. and I happened to see, I happened to bump into my primary school teacher. So much of kira kan like much um, how many years has it been? Seventeen years. Um, since I last met this teacher, and when I see her face, and hey, Hazira, eh? now like, I just start, I started bawling her. Uh. Oh, serious? Yeah, serious. I'm like, oh my god, oh my god. Because <laughs> I start to think about, um, uh, the times that she taught me, the times yeah. that she, much um, guided me. Mm -hmm. So much um, when seeing going back to seeing my teacher again, mm -hmm. who the one who has 
so called like brought me up mm-hmm. macam tiba-tiba macam sebab yeah especially when she remembers you yeah i fucking must pula tu so i mean like i think if i were shafika and like an ex offender still remembers me after so long i think i pun akan nangis ah <laughs> so kurus shafika aku rasa tak nangis ah <laughs> uh, i think yeah amazing ah shafika <laughs> okay um so uh Maybe you can share with us uh, a bit more on some of the stories that you remember. Let's say, like um, workplace issues that arise. You know, when reintegrating back to society, like um, do they feel insecure or something? How, like yeah, that? how can maybe like employers mm. who are looking to hire um ex offenders make the environment be more like you said um seamless in in terms of the integration for them? Like how how can we better Uh, adapt. Yeah, I think for employers, we need to have a lot of understandings on client situation as well, because um, I think like I mentioned, client we have a lot of challenges upon their, upon their release, right? And mainly like it comes with like financial issues, etc. So they will have to have a lot of appointments upon their release. Like for example, they have to go to a social service appointment. They have to go to HDB appointments, etc. So. Um. Yeah. So that's they need to have a lot of understanding on the employer's point of view. Also, in terms of like you know, they might be taking quite a few number of leaves. Uh, upon they start their work, mm. you know, some employers will be like, "Oh, why are you taking so many leaves? Like, can't you do it on your off day?" But the thing is, during off days, these offices are not open, right? Mm. So they do have to take like leaves, and they do have to sometimes they have also childcare duties. You know, if let's say they're the single mother, and then um nobody else is able to take care, or like the one that is taking care, you know. It's usually someone that is really like um age or uh, old already, so there's a lot of understanding that is needed from the employer to understand the challenges that these um ex offenders, these clients are facing, uh when they first reintegrated back into society. And when you give them the trust, right? Usually they will be able to kind of give their best lah during the employment. And then also there was this one time where. Like one of these stories that I have lah, whereby like my client was working in like this food establishment, and then I received a call from the employer saying that my client was involved in a verbal argument. Like basically there was a fight going on, uh, in the shop lah, um, and that that causes like the employer told me that I think I would like to terminate this this client lah. I don't think she is suitable for this uh this workplace. So like to manage the situation, I had to um propose a joint session with my client and the employer, and quickly like went down for a site visit. So when I was there, I found out that my client um made a mistake because um she was given the wrong instruction by a colleague of hers on a large order. So she made an order of like sixty orders instead of it for being only for like two orders, that kind. Yeah, so she was really, really angry because she took a lot of pride in her job, and she felt that it was very unfair because the mistake was um not really her fault lah. It was someone else's instruction towards her. So what she felt was that she felt that the colleague was intentionally like out there just to get her because of her background as an ex offender. Hmm. Yeah. So when I was talking to the employer about this, and the employer shared his point of view, the employer said that you know he acknowledged that client has been a good worker so far. And he acknowledged that client, and he said that he was very, very supportive of client um throughout the whole process because she he saw potential in client, and that he actually was in talks of 
even promoting client to be the supervisor, but because of her behavior that day, right, they were reconsidering his plans, you know, saying that she is not able to control her anger or even manage the conflicts well. So when the employee shared that, what client felt was that she reflected on herself. She said that, oh, I didn't know that, you know, the supervisor was looking out for me because I always thought that everyone was actually looking at me like differently because I'm an ex-offender. Mm. Um, yeah, and she was like, she she kind of reflected. She said that, you know, this job is very important to me because, you know, I'm a single mom. I have um, an, a mother that I have to take care as well and how important it is. You know, if let's say I get promoted, it can help me with my financial situation. But because I was kind of impulsive in that way, she mentioned um, that she just kind of like outburst herself. So when I when I kind of like break it down with her and she actually shared that it's actually because she she didn't know how to express herself, especially in a workplace setting, especially when talking to the supervisor, because she said that she doesn't really have very good command of English. So she felt very inadequate that she doesn't have that skill to actually even talk to her colleagues or even her supervisor. So that's why she always feel very alone. She always feel like you know, everyone's out there to, to get her when that is actually not the situation. Lah. So from that joint session, she was actually very thankful that I came down and you know tried to settle things out with her because um, she said that if it was her in the past, she would have just walked up and she would just quit the employment just like that. And then, you know, it's like another employment gone, another employment that she was not able to retain. Lah. Yeah, so, you know, after talking to the employer and everything, the employer kind of understand where she's coming from and we try to give her advice in terms of like, you know, if you're unhappy or, you know, if you think that it's not fair for you, how can you better um, say it to your colleagues and to your supervisor? And, you know, the employer decided to to retain her in that job and because of her, her good conduct, she was actually um, kind of like promoted to be a supervisor like a few months later. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Very cool. Very cool, right? Yeah. Tapi macam, I think about it again, macam if I were in that situation, I think with my overthinking mind and my insecurities, I really would have done what she said, which is to walk out. Mm. You know, because... I would feel so small, yeah. you know. So maybe like you can share with us how do we support, um, how can we show our support uh, to, you know, ex-offenders to show that uh, we are there for them or the promotion like, come on, let's change together. You know, how do we show our support without being uh, inappropriate, I would say. <laughs> okay, I mean, um, the community right having the community plays a huge part in terms of like creating this like stable social environment where this as offenders and like the family members will have like a sense of belonging like and hope to so for us to create this community i think it's very important for us to be very accepting understanding and also patient with them i think um we can always show them their support because most of the time they feel a bit insecure they feel that everyone is always um looking you know differently towards them and everything so giving them a bit of like that confidence boost by like you know um acknowledging the efforts that they're making for me what i realized with my clients is that every day is a challenge for them you know every day is a challenge for them to overcome their addiction every day is a challenge for them to overcome their own um 
challenges, you know, be it family, be it in employment, be it in the society. So I think if you're just a little bit kind of them, we acknowledge the effort that they've been making, right? It really, really does make a lot of difference. And I think that's where I saw in Yellow Ribbon also, because like, um, like for Yellow Ribbon, we kind of like encourage for these types of finders to give back to the society as well. Mm. Yeah, so for example, like even um, this year during like, I think during the 2020, the COVID period lah. So actually like many like inmates and ex-offenders actually like give back to the society because they've been receiving a lot from the society, right? Mm. So like I think in like March 2020, like the inmates actually like bake um, cookies for the frontliners. And then like the ex-offenders from the halfway houses actually help to like deliver these um, big cookies to the frontliners and the healthcare institutions. Like. Yeah, so from this, like actually, it's kind of like a two-way thing also. If you give them the chance to, to kind of like build the trust, and then they also will, will use um, that effort that we've made for them and give back to the society also. Like. Mm. Would you say also that um, as individuals like us, if we ever chance upon um, an ex-offender, we could also give them some words of affirmation and words of encouragement, even though you know, uh, we don't really know them that much, perhaps? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I would just think that, um, like how would you know that, that that's an ex-offender if yeah. you don't really know them? So uh, it would be a bit of like, kind of, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if you know someone was that was an ex offender and you know that that was the background and he was um that person is open to share that part of him, then I think giving words of encouragement and acknowledging that effort um would make a lot of difference, huh? mm. I think the stigma is real. Huh? I think like as an ex offender you will feel already insecure about how people look at you and then like also and reintegrating back into society having missed out on like this amount of years from you know what's happening out there mm. uh, naturally I think you have feelings of self-doubt mm. um, yeah insecurities so it really is up to the family and the people around them mm. to support them I think and uh, what can like people who have no relations to um, ex-offenders or people like that, uh, maybe support, like what Hazira said, in some of the Yellow Ribbon projects or any Yellow Ribbon campaigns? How can they show or volunteer at any um, activities that you have? Right. <laughs> okay, I, mean, I, I think at Yellow Ribbon, we also have a volunteer program. So I think you can just always look out for um, the initiatives through like Yellow Ribbons uh, Instagram or maybe Facebook uh, for all the initiatives that are available. I think there are also a lot of other um, grassroots-led initiatives from the ground that is also assisting uh, on this group of people as well from the community. So I think I think just being aware uh, of what are the different initiatives um, available. I think through social media is quite easy for us to, to know mm -hmm. about the initiatives that are available currently. Have you ever, macam throughout your life as a, your life, eh, your career coach journey, can have you ever met someone yang has been uh, an inmate for so long that, uh, when they you know get um get released or upon reintegrate back into the society, they feel like Singapore has changed. You know, I feel like I I have heard some stories where 
let's say like near the expressway tiba-tiba uh, when I uh, when I am admit there wasn't an expressway bila dah keluar oh suddenly ada expressway airport like that Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I think I have this one experience where I had this um client. I think he was in his late fifties, so mm-hmm. he's been inside for around like four to five years. So he 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 went out after four four to five years. Like and I think in Singapore, four to five years is like a lot of development have changed. Like even I think when he released, he said that even his house like have changed. Like the neighborhood have changed. Mm-hmm. So many development. So for this particular client, he has been working as a driver throughout his entire life. So he prides himself in like knowing the Singapore road. He's like, I know the Singapore road. Like, no worries. I can be a driver again when I come out. So uh-huh. he he became a driver. He became a delivery driver and he came out. And the thing about him is that he didn't even know how to use smartphones. Mm. So I think like before, Um, when he was inside, I think it's somewhere in 2017, 2018, where there's no more 2G phones available in Singapore, right? Like the whole mm-hmm. services is being cut off. Mm-hmm. So everyone has to like kind of upgrade themselves to use like 3G and smartphones. So yeah, so it was his first time like having a smartphone and he he went out lah. So um, on the job, he's actually supposed to use GPS lah because it's a delivery driver job, right? Mm-hmm. Like he... He didn't know how to use GPS. He didn't even know what GPS was, so mm-hmm. he couldn't even like fulfill his job duty for the day. Um, and then he's like, because the the area that he's supposed to deliver was like somewhere which he felt confident about. But then when he start on the job, he didn't even know anything because he's like, all oh, the exits are different, the roads looks different. Um, there are new buildings everywhere, and he was so 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 lost that I think like on the first day he called like. Um, me, his officer, and also his employer, like while in tears. And you imagine this is like, oh. and like a fifty plus year old man. He was like, I really, I couldn't do this job. I can't do this job anymore. Yeah. So I think at that point, the employer was actually really, really nice. Um. So they were like, you know, no worries. Uh, why don't you uh we assign you to an assistant assistant driver lah, who will assist you for like the two weeks. And we'll see how it goes. So like together with that assistant driver, we kind of like help him learn how to use the GPS. He was actually very resistant to use the GPS. Like he's like, no, no, I can memorize. But then we're like, it's better for you to use GPS <laughs> for you not to get lost. Yeah. And then like he doesn't even know how to use WhatsApp. Mm. So like when we send him message, he will read it, but he doesn't know how to reply. Oh, no. So <laughs> after we send him messages, we have to call him to like double confirm whether he saw the message. Lah. So mm. I think like, There's one day where he actually managed to reply. It was just like two or three words, but all of us were like so proud of his reply. <laughs> we immediately called him. We were like, "Oh, you you sent you sent us your first WhatsApp message. Like, congratulations!" Hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think it's the small small things, lah. Like you think that you didn't really make. I mean, like using a smartphone, using GPS is something which is like you know you every day you use. But for this group of people. It's really a huge change for them, and I think the I should I would commend them for being open to to these changes and wanting to learn. I mean, even though he was resistant at first, like it's like no, no, it's okay. I don't want to use WhatsApp. Never mind. I just call people. Oh, I don't good. use GPS. <laughs> it's okay. I can memorize. But at the end of the day, he still learned and he managed to use it in his everyday life, lah. So I was very very proud of him, lah, for for doing that. And also the company that actually was very patient with him, uh allowed him to take some time to be to train himself yeah and he was a very good worker after that mm, you guys should teach him how to use voice note 
Yeah, yeah. After that, she, after that, she learned how to use voice note, and it was voice note all the way. Uh-huh. <laughs> not turning back anymore. No more turning back already. Do you like? Please send us a message. I send you message one. <laughs> Different video. Wow, I think I definitely much um understand. So, but my dad is a taxi driver, so mm. he is always much um uh. I told him like maybe you should try Grab or like mm-hmm. you know other other platforms lah. Like, if you want to get more customers, like, I don't know how to use ah. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to use. I don't know how to use. But then like I mean I totally understand because he isn't aware about. He's not much. Like, very quick with technology. And sometimes I put the science, but like safe entry, he be like it's my safe entry ah. This phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then like I would just leave him dead. <laughs> Sorry yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I think everything is so technology now. Technology driven, right? Like yeah. they have to learn, otherwise they will yeah. feel really even more left out. For example, much like Singapore rediscover voucher. If you mm. don't have an email, how are you gonna really meet? Yeah. yeah, that's so true. Like I saw my parents actually having go to go to the CC. Yeah, because they have that right for you to actually redeem at the counters. Like someone there will do it for you on your yeah. behalf. Yeah. Um, yeah. So <laughs> it's a lot. A lot has changed. I think even in these two three years. I think banyak pun dah berubah. For sure, and then like you know, parents when you be like, oh, what's your password for this account? How oh, would I know? So many password. Which yeah. account? Sing pass lah, this one lah. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely understand where he is coming from. Takes a lot to yeah, take a lot to you know change. Relearn at that age. Yeah, yeah. as eh, at 50, say mm. how many people at 50 are willing to. Adopt a new skill. Mm-mm. Yeah, not easy. Mm. But anyways, thank you, Shafika, for joining us today. Any last words you want to share with the community? Um, thank you for having me. I hope <laughs> <laughs> this brings a lot more awareness on Yellow Ribbon's effort, mm. as well as you know, hoping that we can move together to be a more inclusive society. Yes, yes, inshallah. Mm-mm, thank you. Yeah. All right, guys. For those who are listening, don't forget to watch and listen to our past episodes. If you haven't, we have four seasons for you to listen mm-hmm. and binge, <laughs> if you can. <laughs> But anyways, thank you guys for listening or tuning in. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. We will catch you at the next episode. Toodles, everybody. Oh, do you? Alright guys, thanks for listening. So we'll see you on the next episode. Don't forget to give us a shout out on anchor.fm slash the Halal Travel Podcast. Your voice message could be featured in our next episode. Yup, and if you have any advertising and collaboration opportunities, contact us at info at halaltrip.com. That's I-N-F-O at H-A-L-A-L-T-R-I-P dot com. Also, don't forget to follow us on our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Halal Trip. We're also now on Telegram and TikTok. Until next time, get inspired, go and inspire others. Mm-hmm.